to Light Warrior Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, author of the number one bestseller, Sensitivity is Your Superpower, How to Harness Your Gifts, Fulfill Your Purpose, and Create a Life of Joy. And I'm super excited that you're here today. And before we introduce our guest for today, I want to tell you a little bit about a free gift that I have for you in case you have not tried it yet. It's actually a really fun quiz called the Sensitive Soul Type Quiz. You can just go to sensitivesoultype.com, and that should forward you to the place where you can take this really fun interactive quiz just to see maybe which soul type you have in this body and this timeline. Now, it isn't a diagnosis. It's not the same as getting a you know soul typing done by one of my practitioners or myself, but it can give you an idea of you know what your gifts are in this timeline, why you're here, and maybe even some insight into maybe some problems that you're having and why you're having those problems. So sensitivesoultypequiz.com, hot off the presses, so check it out, and then you'll also have a chance to get a copy of my free Sensitive Soul Empowerment Guide, the three ways of navigating your way to more peace, positivity, and personal power so you can fulfill your dreams and your purpose and create a life of joy. So today I'm really excited because I have two guests on the show today, and we are going to be talking about Atlantis. There are so many people in the tribe that say to me, hey, I am absolutely sure I had past lives in Atlantis, some Lemuria. I know for myself that I discovered along the way that I had a past, so-called past life in Lemuria. I don't remember much of it, but I do remember that I was a healer and that I was supposed to um, help people uh, across the whole world be able to access these healing frequencies through a blue, big really big blue crystal, uh, and that uh, I didn't finish my mission there, that somehow Lemuria was destroyed or I was no longer living, so I was not able to finish that, but I have since finished that mission here and on to other missions. Um, so one of the when I discovered that, one of my healer friends that I've been working with at that time and colleague and mentor, uh, I kind of excitedly told her, and I thought, well, maybe I'm just nuts, you know. So I said, you know, Tamara, I, I, I'm getting that I – you know, that I'm Lemurian. And she goes, yep. (laughs) And I said, you mean you knew? She goes, yeah, I did, but I really want you to find out for yourself. (laughs) But uh, I don't, you know, I don't think I have a past life in Atlantis, but so many of our tribe members do remember past lives uh, or pieces of it uh, from various different places. So today we are going to be talking about Atlantis, the lost continent finally found. There's a really cool book out there. You can check it out. Um, You can get it on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and different places. It is... um, uh, written by uh, a professor, Professor Aricio Santos. And we have his grandson here today, as well as Frank Joseph Hoff, who is an understudy of the professor. I'll talk about them in a moment. So this book, Atlantis, The Lost Continent Found, um, let me tell you a little bit about it. So, you know, backing up, thousands of books and papers have been already written on Atlantis uh, since its reality was first disclosed by the great philosopher Plato some, gosh, two and a half millennia ago. Hence, uh, you know, you might wonder whether there's really a new theory on the subject and is that really needed? Um, Can actually, you know, anything new be said about Atlantis? Well, the answer is yes. After all, uh, the riddle of Atlantis has never been satisfactorily solved so far, at least from a scientific basis. Um, uh, The theory, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, in the past go, well, is this myth? Is this... You know, real well. That's what Professor Aricio Nunes de Santos, PhD, went to study a very long time ago. He since deceased. 
Um, he scientifically wanted to compare and refute, perhaps for the first time ever, the various existing theories on Atlantis' location and the reality. I know a lot of people are excited to hear you know, this show because of their past lives and just very many people curious about that. So Professor Santos marries the most recent results and techniques of modern science to the secret and the folklore of all the peoples of the world, knitting humanity together in the solution to the riddle of Atlantis that neatly ties together the vast scientific and traditional evidence, which was always there but never before seen by other researchers. So whether you're a scientist with an open mind or a layperson, um, you'll be led to conclude that Plato could well have been telling the truth. After all, since the information provided by the great philosopher is so uncannily confirmed by recent scientific scientific finds of all sorts. So we're going to be talking today about Atlantis, about this book. Now, um, Frank Hoff, let me go ahead and share a little bit about his history. So as you know, he was the understudy. And um, you know, he graduated in 1982 from the University of Washington Foster School of Business in Seattle, where he learned a bachelor's degree in business administration with concentrations in both marketing, management, and organization. And from a very young age, he became very interested in the sciences and the ancient mysteries, the lost city, the continent of Atlantis. He was further inspired by such movies as Indiana Jones, which is my favorite. Love that series. <laughs> you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, Last Crusade, etc. You know, watching documentaries. Uh, he's like reading magazines on ancient archaeology, lost civilizations, uh, listening to radio talk shows such as Coast to Coast. Um, he met up with Richard Hoagland, former science advisor to Walter Conkite, which is very interesting, at a Mars conference in Seattle. Started doing some pro bono research for him in his off hours. And it's while doing this research that Mr. Hoagland and Mr. Haas came across the unusual work of a Brazilian professor by the name of Professor Aricio Nunes dos Santos and uh, his Atlantean website, and that's at atlan.org. So www.atlan.org. Uh, Atlantis, the lost continent, finally found. So in 1998, Mr. Hoff contacted Professor Santos via email to his son, uh, Bernardo, and in 1999, after many conversations with him, became his understudy, researcher, and business agent in order to let the whole world know about Professor, Professor Santos's amazing seminal discoveries by helping him to get his new book published uh, in English until the professor's untimely death, September 9, 2005, less than two months after its release. Uh, so Frank is continuing Professor Santos's work and uh, instilled by being his understudy regarding his data, research work papers, uh, doing research on Atlantis himself, uh, foreign travel to ancient sites, speaking on behalf of the late professor at conferences, uh, radio shows, as you can see we're doing right now, TV, Internet interviews, um, and all sorts of different interviews just to get the word out. Because, you know, what has happened in the quote-unquote past does affect us here, and by understanding the past, at least my take on it, uh, it can really give us insight into our own lives and what's going on right now. Even though it seems like, wow, it's ancient, it's past, why bother? Um, it actually does, ha you know, cycles tend to repeat themselves, so we really want to know what's going on. And so Mr. Hoff is the president of the Atlantis Publications and in order, like I said, to promote uh, this work. And like I said today, uh, we're very, very pleased to have um, the professor's grandson, Felipe Santos Araujo. I practiced that Hello. five times, but, you know. <laughs> Hello, and he's the vice president of the Atlantis Publications, physicist, researcher, and information scientist. And uh, you're his first grandson. So I want to welcome you both to the show. Wow, wow, we are so blessed to have you both here. 
Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Khan. Uh, can you hear me uh, very well? You sound perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay, great. Now, yeah. So um, now, how did how did you two meet? Maybe you know. Uh, maybe Felipe can tell us. You know how you two met. Sure. Finally. Also, hello, everybody. A very warm welcome from Brazil. Very Yay. glad to be here. Dr. Ken, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's very nice being here and sharing the ideas to you and all your community, love community. So, yeah, hopefully we can discuss some things here today, some very interesting things and very uh, current topics. So thank you again for, very for the cool. invitation. So, yeah, yeah take so, us um, back in time a little bit about the two of you. Absolutely. Uh, from my perspective... I know Frank has been in, on it for a while, but I kind of grew up with Professor Aurelio Santos, my grandfather, the loved one, uh, and so much that is his history a little bit here. It's his third speech that I'm 33 now. I grew up with it a little bit, and I'm a scientist myself too. You know, Dr. Ken, I, I'm a physicist, as you mentioned, right. and I always had the scientific perspective. But it was only after so many years now, after the passing of my grandfather, that I, I actually got a, grabbed a hold of his research, of his over 30,000 pages of research that I, and reading into them that I finally started to grasp what he was really trying to say again with Frank, who was a big believer from the start and his agent and current president of Atlantis Publication, where we're trying to accomplish and publish all these papers. But again, it's not so much about me or Frank or Professor Rizzo, but this huge new scientific idea, new scientific perspective that hopefully we need to have as a society, you know, and, and we just don't know, you know. So, again, we're hearing this very scientific premise. And from what I've had touch with from Professor Santos' work, it's just very great work, very, really seminal work for the story of humanity. So, yes. Now That's we're meet, meeting with Frank. We're resurrecting. See, we had a lot of trouble in our family. My grandfather, not many people believe in, in such a topic from Atlantis. Even in the scientific community, don't discuss much these subjects. Imagine in, in a family context. So it took us many years to, to finally start sorting things out. And, and now after 20 years after the passing of my grandfather, we're, we're finally working together again, me with Frank, bringing back the website and all his work. So, yeah, very excited. Oh yeah, that's great. Well, you know, uh, a lot of us sensitive souls who are the most the people you know listening to the show, my tribe, um, we don't uh, get believed <laughs> very often uh, right. by our family members exactly. and friends because sometimes we have, you know, sometimes you know we there's a lot of intuitive hits. There's a lot of like I said, people that have past lives you know, information and things like that that are accurate, but uh, we're just seen as a bunch of crazy people, you know, to be even interested in Atlantis mm -hmm. or Lemuria and, you know, like so-called mythical things. 
but uh, I think it's great that there's people like you and you know your your grandfather and Frank that are willing to do the tough work and the scientific work to to make it known um, because I'm sure that you had to go through quite a bit of either criticism or ostrac you know being ostracized or made fun of or whatever that we yeah. did <laughs> you know uh, but thank goodness you have that scientific background so that's that's fantastic yeah. thank you for your work very important I mean. I'm Smarter, right? As a society, as humanity, and one thing Professor Santos, my grandfather, used to say was that uh, humanity is a species with amnesia. You know, somehow, some some time ago, we were actually very well developed, especially in these spiritual matters. You know, in many things we're going to also discuss. But as we can see in the Hindu texts, which is the very ancient uh, connection we have with Atlantis and Lemuria and what actually derived the Bible today and many religions we have, among other topics. But yeah, I would love to hear what Frank has to say, too, about it. Okay, yeah, we well... We have so many questions for the for the two of you. I You know, I, I don't know where to start, but just like, you know, like people claim they've discovered Atlantis. Is it true? Like, how do you guys know where it is? Like... Was it an island? Like, is it the same as Lemuria? You know, like there's so many questions. So I don't know where you would want to start, Frank, but you, you just dive in. All right. Well, first of all, um, uh, I wish a very good morning or afternoon to your audience, both uh, locally, uh, also on the East Coast, and, and of course, worldwide. Uh, I wanted to preface the show uh, to say that we're actually not here for any particular agenda, like, uh, you know, a political agenda, religious agenda, social agenda, e ethnic agenda, economic, and all these type of agendas that people have in mind. The only thing we're here is to get the truth out, and mainly from a scientific standpoint. That's where we're at with this whole thing. And actually, this is Professor Sansos, as he told me many times before he passed away, his gift to the world. And so that's what this is about, is about humanity. And so we resurrected uh, resurrected our website and uh, and set this up. Uh, we're still working on it. It's still under construction in many ways uh, to bring this out to the whole world. And actually, we have the website now uh, translatable into 110 languages so it's go people can Ooh. access it in their language all around the world. So if you, uh, you speak French, you can get into that, and Spanish, and Swahili, uh, and Hindi, and, and so on. So it's translatable, except for the free articles, which we uh, are going to have translatable too. Uh, you just have to um, uh, fix some some templates to make those translatable into uh, the languages. But it's a it's, it's this a whole project is really about humanity, not just you know the finding of, of the lost continent and city of Atlantis, but it's really about humanity. Right. So that's what's really interesting to me is that. Um you know, understanding or knowing what really happened in the past can have an impact on our current reality because, you know, there's like you, like Professor Santos said, like we, we have like amnesia and um, one of the things people keep telling us over and over again in the past two years during the pandemic is, uh, is like, if you, you know, history it tends to repeat itself. And so how do we not do what we've done in the past that didn't work? You know, if we have amnesia, you know, <laughs> that's kind of hard. So, um, yeah, uh, well, tell us about how we, Atlantis we, all, may connect with all this. 
Yeah. We first of all got to stop looking in the wrong place, places, uh, the wrong haystack or haystacks, because if you look in the wrong haystack or haystacks to find, a, let's say, a needle, you'll, you'll never find it if you're looking in the wrong one to begin with. So that's that's the, the real problem with uh, the lances is, is looking in the wrong places all the time. But it's uh, he. But Professor Sansos had to do in order to discover the location. And by the way, I should tell you that he went out originally to debunk the whole thing, to disprove the whole notion of Atlantis. Oh. And he had to turn around 180 degrees after about 10 years. Wow. Yeah. So he was a, he was really a pretty much against it. He's from pretty much pure academia. He uh, he he is a professor of uh, nuclear physics and nuclear engineering at the. Federal University of Minas Gerais, and uh, he had all sorts of uh, uh, disciplines and things that he was into as far as, uh, you know, uh, uh, he, he was a, uh, a physical chemist, he was an uh, engineer, electronic engineer, um, he uh, spoke 14 languages, to give you an idea in wow. your audience, so uh, he had a tremendous background, he also um, is a geologist and even a climatologist, too, which plays into plays into this whole situation with Atlantis. But what he did is he had to look for a place on Earth that uh, could support a population over 20 million people in the middle of the Pleistocene Ice Age. And, uh, and he also had to reverse engineer it back to uh, a place where all these different uh, types of, uh, of uh, strategic metals and, and uh, resources and, and plants and, and being a and, uh, and, and fruits and vegetables and all these different types of things to support a population, again, in the middle of the Pleistocene Ice Age. They had the necessary precipitation and soil and weather and everything else in a temperate climate in the middle of the Pleistocene Ice Age. So he had to figure out where that would be to have a continent the size of Libya, which is at the time all of North Africa and Asia Minor uh, combined, which is part of uh, Turkey there. And so... Uh, and that size was is the size of the entire continental United States with Alaska and Hawaii combined, the whole thing. And that's wow. how big of an area we're talking about. So, uh, and many places where people have been looking don't have that size of a place as as uh, designated by Plato or Plato in his dialogues, the Critias and Timaeus dialogues. So that's why uh, he had to seek out a place where it logically... Uh, and uh, and could possibly be, and that area ends up being over in uh, Southeast Asia instead of um, and where it's located uh, in many places. Like uh, people think it's in Spain or Cyprus or maybe the Bahamas or all these other places around the world. And um, as far as the location goes, because it was in the middle of Pleistocene Ice Age, it cannot be anywhere above, for sure, 30 degrees north latitude or anywhere below 30 degrees south latitude. As a matter of fact, I think it can't be anything uh, uh, above, above uh, 20 degrees north latitude or 20 degrees south latitude, but very conservatively speaking, 30 for sure. So all these places they're talking about where they think Atlantis is, it just simply can't be there logically and physically and just to be able to support a population of over 20 million people like for instance, uh, Antarctica, uh, they've taken core samples in situ uh, there uh, that date uh, at least a couple of million years. So there's no way you can support a population in Antarctica uh, in, 
you know, 20 million people, let alone, let's say, even 1,000, which they can't really even do today. It's very difficult. You have to fly in, fly people out, and fly different goods in. They don't have all the natural resources to support a population like the location I'm talking about or Professor Sansel's found in Southeast Asia. Wow. Wow, that's that's yeah. fascinating. 20 million people. How, how do we, like, know that there were that many people then? Um, uh, you want to answer that one? Sure. I was just mentioning uh, to get very clear about, again, Professor Santos' research. And, you know, since we're talking science, right, Dr. Karen? And, well, my Professor Santos asked, thing and in a very personal matter again a very nice human being very humble very bright and possibly the the most intelligent human being I've ever had the chance to meet Uh, so maybe one of the few guys that I I really believe could make a huge impact and in a scientific manner and proving the whole thing so we're talking about a great research here dr. Karen from many different topics, many different like subjects like linguistics, myths, you know, sacred religions. We're talking about geology, oceanographic points of view. And it's like a million piece of puzzle. Ah. That right. got scattered so all, all data over the together. world. Exactly. And that, that's what also Professor Santos would say that we only had a, a few hundred thousands of pieces left that we would have to try to bring back the, the truth. It's not nailing anything as this is it, but some things come surface from the scientific perspective. So, so for instance, the, the site for Atlantis, Indonesia, for Lemuria, it, it becomes very clear. When you bring in geological perspectives uh, like this that Frank said, just to be very clear, the Pleistocene, the last geological era we lived, we're talking about an ice age. So it's a very different globe, a very different earth. You know, like the, the poles, they, they freeze. And you can only really have life in the equator, across the equator, right? And also the the ocean level, since the world freezes and you have glaciers on the tr- above the tropics, the sea level goes down about a hundred, about a completely different uh, geography, right? And okay. it becomes very clear. The location is actually the easy part. Nailing down that was Professor Santos' very good trump, which. He pointed a place nobody was looking at, which is Indonesia, by the way, Southeast Asia, and becomes very clear if anybody brings in these maps that actually have been soon released by NOAA, you know, National Oceanographic Agency, that they have these maps for underwater. And if you look back Earth 12,000 years ago, you see the last age that... Indonesia would form a large continent right there. So, so as far as location goes, it becomes very clear from these standpoints. But then again, it opens a myriad of questions still have to be answered. You know that also Professor Santos went back and and in, in these other topics such as 
you know, he, he pinpointed many different languages across the globe. Like, how can a, a tribe from North America and South America speak the same language from the, the sacred, old sacred Hindus? You know, like Dravida, the language they, they would speak in, in very sacred men. How, how can it be the same language? You know, so Professor Santos showed some things like that, you know, like so many myths across the world. So just to give a sense of the science we're, we're, we're speaking here and, and what so far goes as to what, well, we can say this and not this. And, and, and some things we can be sure, some things not so much, you know. So that, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to rebuild this really large puzzle left in the faces wow. for everyone here that speaks from our ancient common origin. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it does sound like a thousand piece or a million piece yeah. puzzle to, to put together. Um, now, you know, we were in mythology or told or, you know, I, that uh, something happened on Atlantis and it was destroyed and same thing with Lemuria. So um, is that actually like, you know, like do we know at all like what happened, like based on what you've discovered or what, um, you know, Professor Santos has discovered? Well, what Professor Santos would argue a lot is that everything is registered, especially in these old sacred texts. The, the texts we take so much for granted, like very um, childish plays, or they might actually talk about some truth, some, some true events that transpired that may got lost through the time. So, so we, we say, and again like Frank mentioned, not from a, a, a religious agenda or anything like that. We actually believe all religions can transpire together and, and they, they actually say in the same thing. But from a from ancient Hindu, right, from India, from the Orient. The Orient comes the light. That, that's Professor Santo saying too. And well, the Bible and many other religions, they derive from these things. They're kind of the same stories told in a different manner. And actually, if you start seeing these ancient stories from uh, the language they speak, see, it's, again, it's a very different language, polysemic, you know, they have many meanings for the same worlds. And more advanced, you know, we're talking about greater poetry, greater language, greater culture, greater... All the sciences from the ancient seems were very advanced, and yeah, so they kind of come from from one place and they mean something, and they are hidden purposely in this puzzle. We'll call it an allegorical ways. It's an allegorical language is not not meant for everyone, only for the initiate very into the the cults and, and everything really tied into the the myths that would have access to the true content so the stories are there but the, you need to have the key understanding them ah. and it's it's about this about an allegorical perspective that you need to have an open mind building up and understanding that the myths might mean a lot of things things that we might not even be able to understand now but they might be talking from a true perspective, not some just random stories that are, you know, as a humanity, we look back and we might think, oh, these are just like old people that didn't know better, that left it all over. And actually, maybe not. 
you know, maybe it's something very interesting they were trying to leave to us, and maybe we need to start seeing them with better eyes. That's really interesting that there was a need, and I think that probably today is the same thing, but there was a need to hide to some degree the deeper information and um, one would, I would imagine that one would hide information if it was somehow dangerous. So is there another reason to hide, you know, the real truth or information with, you know, multi-meaning words and, you know, needing a key to open up the true meaning? Like why would somebody have to hide the truth of the past? Let me, let me answer that one, Felipe. Um, the situation is, is that this was an area of uh, – of the world where it's known as a land of gold. And so they had a lot of strategic metals that they used for, uh, for not only wealth, but also in battle as far as making different types of weapons out of, um, out of tin and zinc and uh, copper and so on, uh, because that, in order to form like brass or bronze. And so um, they were, but also they had a riches of gold in, in, in that area too as well, and they still do it today. And so they didn't want a, a lot of, people that might have been from other areas that were still uh, uh, c coming into Atlantis to, to steal the, the, the gold and, and silver and all that, even after the destruction of Atlantis. So a lot of this information has been kept uh, more or less secret, but uh, and, and also it's got scattered around the, the, the world. And I just want to kind of correct a little bit something here uh, that uh, Felipe said. He mentioned about a million-piece puzzle. I think that's what he said. But it's actually more well, like I a billion-piece puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it's more like a, a billion piece puzzle that's got scattered all around the world. And so wow. we, had to, we had to assemble all these pieces. And because a lot of times when you have uh, different wars and battles and all these different things happen, some of that evidence and, and uh, information gets destroyed, just like in the great Alexandria Library, um, wow. where three quarters of a million scrolls got destroyed. Uh, and so you, you lose a lot of information and, and different. Um, you know, uh, places around the world where one uh, particular uh, group conquers the other, then they tend to destroy a lot of the information. And it's happening like in Egypt, and it's happened down in South America, and, and a lot of different places. So, uh, uh, one thing is that Professor Sanford was is he's also uh, studied occultism. Not that he wanted to be a cultist per se, but occultism has to do with the, the hidden meanings behind things and, and words and so he had to uh, to, uh, to take on that particular discipline and what with, with, with the problem has been in, with Atlantis is a lot of people have not had the necessary discipline to do the work properly in the past and so they didn't have enough of the, the, the background as I mentioned to him before to you that he had to study uh, archaeology uh, anthropology mythology linguistics ethnology occultism as I just mentioned Besides all the things that he got, he was a professor at the, at the Federal University of Minas Gerais for nuclear physics and nuclear engineering. So he did a lot of different types of things. He sat on all sorts of boards and committees for uh, energy. In fact, he actually was uh, highly responsible for the, for the ethanol or alcohol fuels program down in Brazil, which about 95% of the cars run on uh, is ethanol uh, rather than this, you know, gasoline. So that was one of his inventions, besides a few other ones. But if people want to really see his background also to understand that it takes a master researcher, uh, it's up on our website at www.atlan.org, the first five letters of Atlantis, and it's a .org website. 
Uh, I want to also come back to something else, too. Uh, we, uh, I, I mentioned that uh, before that you, our website is translated into a lot of different languages, 110 of them. Uh, in the upper right-hand corner, there's a little flag there. If you hit the flag, you, you can it'll open up to the, your particular language. The other thing is, too, he was able to uh, find out from a lot of linguists around the world because he also spoke 14 languages himself. Uh, what's a uh, true, real uh, language of, that the or pristine language that the Atlanteans spoke at that time? And uh, Felipe mentioned it briefly there, but it's called Dravida. It's Dravida, and it's Proto Dravida is the original one, and it's Dravidian. That's the actual language they spoke, and uh, we were able to find that back out. And that helps also decipher uh, and put some of the pieces of the puzzle together uh, to know the actual language they spoke. It's, it's, it's known as the language of the birds. And uh, they had some abilities to actually communicate with animals as well. And uh, this language is also very similar to people that speak it now and called Tamil or Tamil or Tamil or Tamir, that's how you want to say it. Uh, and it's, it's uh, by basically people by, know, by the name of Tamil. And uh, it's right now a lot of people in the area of Chennai and southeast uh, India uh, speak it. But... Um, uh, in answer to your question earlier, what happened to a lot of the people with Atlantis is that they uh, ended up having the destruction, a, a cataclysm going on with a couple of different times. And uh, the first one was with actually Lemuria Atlantis, which is the mother of Atlantis civilization. And in Lemuria, there's a, it's also known as Mu. And Mu means yeah. like mother or motherland. Um, and so um, that... Uh, was the original Atlantis, the old civilization, but got destroyed approximately uh, 75,000 years ago, uh, BP. And, and so they had to uh, move into an area uh, which ends up being in some of the places of India, which sometimes they got chased out of. Uh, and so they finally settled, settled in the Indus Delta Valley area, but, which is now probably more Pakistan than it was India because the borders get changed over time. So what happened is um, it's kind of like the Katrina, um, you know, hurricane and everything that took place. People had to, you know, emigrate into different areas, uh, you know, uh, over time. And uh, some people I can uh, hear, they went to, uh, let's say, to Florida. They went to uh, Texas. They went to, um, you know, uh, maybe as far as up here as Washington State and other areas in order to uh, more or less regroup. Well, they did with this same thing with Lemuria Atlantis, when the Toba volcano went off, which is a caldera volcano, and it's, a, it's a, a super volcano, and um, with, so they had to go into those areas of the Indus Delta Valley area and, like I say, regroup over a period of almost 60,000 years. But oh they, um, they recovered after a few, a few thousand years, uh, just about three or 4,000, but they advanced over a period of 60,000 years into the, uh, the Atlantis proper, which is uh, which is the uh, advanced civilization. So uh, you can imagine how far we've come in like one or two thousand years. Can you imagine what the advancement would be like for sixty thousand? Right. So, and then what happened after that? Um, at about eleven thousand six hundred BP before present, uh, the Krakatoa volcano, the Krakatoa volcano went off. And that volcano uh, ended up really destroying a lot of it and ended the Pleistocene Ice Age. The one thing he was able to find out is that volcanoes can actually trigger on an ice age and they also can trigger one off. And so that ends up ending the Pleistocene Ice Age. And so um, what you have left 
as the vestiges or the tip tops of, 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 the, of, the, of the continent of Atlantis on the different various islands of, of Indonesia. And even in just Indonesia alone, there's over 17,500 islands just comprised wow. there. In the, yeah, in the archipelago. So that would be Indonesia the old mountaintops of Atlantis. Yeah, they're the best of the mountaintops that's left. And that's the island of uh, Sumatra and Java, by the way. A couple of things with that. Um, that used to be just known as Java and Upper Java and Lower Java until the Krakatoa volcano sawed it in half. And the word Krakatoa is kind of like more like an English word, and and uh, and there's also in Indonesia it's Krakatau, in Sanskrit it's, it's uh, Krakata, and and in Dravida it's uh, Krakaka. Uh, so what they mean is it means to saw and saw in half. So they sawed the island in half and opened up the Sunda Strait. So that's uh, one of the things we found out too. But uh, then they changed the name to oh, to Sumatra. Other than Java or Upper Java and Lower Java. Oh, that's so interesting! Wow. And uh, you know, I think some um, some people have, and, and this is like non-research, right? But some people I've heard said, well, Atlantis, uh, that there was something to do with technology. That they're very advanced, and there was like a a, a group um, that decided to do something even more advanced. Um, which then destroyed Atlantis. So whether that was some sort of what we would, the equivalent today would be some sort of nuclear weapon or something yes. like that. Uh, so well, is that actually true, or is it just a volcanic? A volcanic yeah. Uh, nice. Look at, um, just, I'm going to just take this one here too, Felipe, um, All right. because I had my discussions with your grandfather about it, and you can maybe chime in as well. But um, he was a nuclear physicist, and he's a nuclear right. engineer. Okay, So he's the best kind of person to know about these kind of things. Yeah. What happens when you have when you set off a nuclear weapon? You have a nuclear signature, okay? So it's not something like Felipe or Professor Santos or myself. We can fake. We can just go over and set something off, okay? Because it, it has a half life daughter products, and so it, it, it decays. And so you can actually trace that back, and we're able to trace that back in some of those areas of uh, uh, Arapa and Mohenjo-daro over in that area of Pakistan and India. So, and they actually have the, uh, they, even today, they've got the, the nuclear signatures from that radiation still there. And it wasn't exploded just a couple hundred years ago, but we're talking of like 11,600 years back. So that, that you, can't, you can't fake that kind of thing. And so what happened is, is that they had a war of Atlantis with, between the Ariel Semites and the Dravidas. And, um, and, this, and what happened is, um, is they ended up dropping a nuclear weapon down the Krakatoa volcano and because they get one up on the other side and it ended up uh, the chain reaction going off a lot more of what they thought it was going to happen and it literally destroyed uh, the, the, the whole world at the time. 70% of, of the species on Earth got wiped out. And so they, wow. they, we have basically left as survivors of Atlantis that had to flee into other areas and so they went like in, back up to India and, and, and to Europe and and, uh, and also down in towards Ecuador and Peru because they could circumnavigate the world. They, they were seafaring people. They knew uh, all the different navigations and everything, and, and they had outposts and colonies at different places, too, although they were mainly focused on uh, coastal line. And so these things all had to sort out over time And uh, because uh, when you have a, 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 a seismic activity 
take place. You also have a tsunami that comes along with it, which they did. But we had one in Aceh there back in uh, 2004 and, uh, and, f- and five, four, uh, and also one in Japan. And they mostly yeah. just went up like 15 meters or 25 meters in height, you know, the tsunami. But they still wiped out, at least in Aceh area, in Indonesia, Malaysia, and surrounding areas. They wiped out about uh, 400,000 people at the time back there in 2004. I think it was on December 26th, if I remember the date. And so uh, it also uh, receded, but, it, you know, after that happened. But in Atlantis, it didn't just go up, you know, like... 15, 20, 25 meters high, it went up like um, like a mile high, like, uh, you know, like a, a, a wow. 1,700, you know, uh, uh, meters high, something like that, uh, 1,500 meters high. but uh, And so it took out an entire continent, but even though it took out the continent, um, it, it receded uh, over time. And so, uh, but also you have a lot of seismic activity of, Above the Earth, below the, and below the, uh, below the water, and, and so on, and so all this had to sort out over a period of time, and balance out, because uh, it was ending of the Pleistocene Ice Age, and how that ended, he found out is that, and this is um, even not just by him, but even Noah checking this out, is that the fly ash that came out from the volcano was kind of a dark or gray type of matter, and it came down on the glaciers, because even where we're at right now. We had a mile high thick of glacier ice on our continent, and so what happened is then that fly ash came down. It ended up absorbing the uh, the sunlight uh, uh, and uh, and uh, amplifying that and melting the, the ice, and this is called the albedo effect. And uh, and we, and we actually have in our book Atlantis, the lost continent finally found. And by the way, the full title is the definitive localization of Plato's lost civilization. Um, there's a book link that are attached to that, number 12 book link, uh, talks, uh, goes to the uh, NOAA site uh, talking about the albedo effect. So we're not just like making this up and it can, uh, <laughs> instead of uh, reflecting, right. reflecting the sunlight, it absorbs it. Oh, that's fascinating. Well, you know, didn't we just have a humongous volcano ash spewing thing like last week or the week before? I don't know if you guys were aware of that. Uh, I can't remember where it was. Well, but Krakatoa was one of the biggest volcanoes back then. Actually, interesting fact that the mountains were very important to the ancients. They were actually considered their gods. You know, they would actually very much praise for the big mountains or the volcanoes. You know, like the whole pyramids. Uh-huh. The ancient Indian mountain, you know, Mount Atlas, which is spelled in many cultures, many religions talk about a, a sacred peak, right? right. Um, and it's actually written in the, the, all this that Frank said is written in the Hindi text, the sacred Hindi texts. They speak about this war and what happened and this huge explosion in the mountain. Uh, of course, they put things like God did this and that and the flashes of light, but it's very, very. It might be very, very true that there wasn't a huge explosion in the biggest volcano back then, the Krakatoa, a nuclear explosion, by the way. I'm a physicist myself. My grandfather was a nuclear physicist, and that was one of the things that made him look the other way because it leaves an anomaly. It leaves a signature, right? For instance, uh-huh. when in World War II. Uh, when they were testing out the nuclear bombs, 
Kodak, all the way in Japan, they were able to, they saw something coming out in their film. And they went to the United States and they say, hey, we caught this. And, and they were actually doing secret testings, you know. That, that's how you <laughs> see, like, paintings uh, before, to test if a, if a painting it's fraudulent. You can see if right. it has the, the signature. So you can know if a picture, if a painting it's from before the second war where the, they were trying the, the nuclear wow. bombs. And there's actually wow. a huge anomaly 12,000 years ago of a huge nuclear signature that could only be caused by a supernova going on or something, you know. And turns out there was no supernovas back then, you know. There's just a huge nuclear signature that's written in the text, you know, talking about this war. So all these... Facts they so they had nuclear weapons back then, and then now we have them now. <laughs> That's yeah, something. It's something with that too. You know, exactly. when Robert Oppenheimer and, and the group, uh, you know, when we had this Manhattan Project going on, um, it may okay. seem a little more simpler now, although it's still very difficult to make a nuclear weapon. Uh, they had information, which is basically Atlantean technology uh, through maybe alchemy and other types of uh, sciences, um, to, in, in developing that uh, weapon. They had a, they had a head start. Okay, it's not oh. like they start from total scratch, and they got at a, they were able to get they were able to get that information for the Atlantean technology from the ancient texts, and so it gave them a head start on in developing the for the Manhattan Project. So um, a lot of people don't know that's about right. this kind of thing, but it, that's that's what went on. Uh, I want to back up one other thing too about this mountain, um, the the, um, the holy mountain of paradise is uh, is like the Krakatoa volcano is known as Mount Kumaru, and also the other one was uh, Toba Mount uh, Sumeru. But uh, Meru means like pyramid in like Egyptian. And so um, that's what, when they have these different pyramids around the world, which is like in Egypt with, at the Giza Plateau, uh, the Khufu Pyramid, uh, these pyramids all around the world are symbolic after the, uh, uh, after the holy mountain of paradise, which is Krakatoa volcano. And so they, they, when they dispersed into other areas with this diaspora, they took some of their ideas from their homeland um, and, and made pyramids uh, around the world. They're not all exactly the same, but very close. Uh, and, and, and so uh, depending on the engineers and the, the, the construction people and the scientists and people that departed in different places, because they had to get out of there kind of fast. And so uh, they didn't have a, you know, they just had to go with the people they had and, and and so those people are the ones that uh, had to go into different areas and made it with the indigenous populations and got scattered all around the world because they they were in desperate need of, of survival. And so they had to do the best they could. And there were these civilizing uh, angels, their heroes, that uh, departed into other parts of the world, like the Kukulkan and Quetzalcoatl and all these different uh, names you hear, uh, the Feathered Serpent and so on. That uh, took, uh, that went down into let's say South America because um, they were they took the equatorial currents down into that area and they had to go to a place also that uh, in the in the ending of the Pleistocene ice age that could support the, the populations or the inhabitants because after the after the uh, tsunami uh, receded what happened is is that um, is that the um, the, the the, uh, the the levels of the water that through the earth uh, rose over time because of the melting of the uh, uh, the glaciers off the, off the 
uh, off the continents. And so all that uh, weight and everything came off and also had to balance out over time over on the seafloor. So all this seismic activity and the balancing and cracking all took place maybe over a couple of thousand years. And so, uh, but that rose up the sea levels around the world uh, anywhere from 130 to 150 meters. And the shallow area of Indonesia right now is, uh, just shows those vestiges and tip-tops uh, of it because, again, originally with the tsunami, that's, that goes in and then it recedes. But over time, not only just in that area, but around the whole world, it, it, it rose up to 130 to 150 meters around the coastlines. And so, uh, but again, it all had to balance out because when you take all this heavy weight of ice off the continents, it also had to go onto the seafloor and then put a lot of pressure there. And so you had weak spots and all that had to balance out over time, so it caused a big problem. Um, you know, but uh, they had to go into areas where they could, uh, where they could get in there fast and support their, you know, their uh, populations, and where it was still a, a temperate climate. And so that's why uh, Peru and Ecuador probably have more um, ancient sites, covered, either uncovered or still covered, in any places in the world. Is that? Did they actually like take? Uh, you mentioned them being seafaring. So, did they take boats? Did they take spaceships? Like, how did they make such an escape Dr. so Karen, quickly if that tsunami was so huge? All major cultures in the world, ancient ones. We have people on the Canary Islands from South America, the North tribes from America, from the United States. All of them scattered through the world. They talk about. People coming in from boats from the ocean, how they, they came from a, a paradisiacal island, which each one has their own culture. But it really shows. It's, it's like spread all over the world, talking about the same thing, how everybody flees from a huge war. By the way, which is the deluge. Uh, the, the last ice age, as we mentioned, which was the huge deluge, the that devastated Earth, you know, and, and that's registered also in all many different cultures all over oh, the world. You know, so they, like they talk Noah's about Ark, a huge apocalypse as well. Yeah, from the, the from our more cultural Eastern um, Catholic religions. Yeah, they talk about the no, but tribes from South America, you know, like Indian tribes. You know, you have like the the Canary people in Spain, they're, they're talking about the same thing, you know, as if they would come from the same place, from the same apocalypse that ended the last ice age in this war. Interesting. So, 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 so the, you know, when we, when we hear about Atlantis sinking, it's not so much it's sinking, the water levels rose because of the ice age and those, exactly. you know, the volcanic ash. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, because I was like, how does the continent actually sink? It doesn't really, like, yeah. it break off and, like, fall. And, you that, know, this actually makes a lot more sense. Yeah, that, it's, Dr. Karen, that's exactly it. Um, it's not that Atlantis sunk, that a lot of people think. It's that the sea low is rose. So if you're out in a vessel and you're observing this, uh, it looks like the, uh, the, the actual island or the continent went down. And so, but it didn't. It, it's the sea levels rose, so it's just an optical illusion, and that's what you get. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up too, because that's one of the things I was going to mention as well, that that's uh, that, that's happened. And by the way, there's many names for the world uh, for the for Atlantis, but uh, Atlantis is more like uh, a Greek name from uh, from Plato or Plato. But uh, another one is called Tropavani and Tropavana, and so these these kind of words uh, in Sanskrit is Tamra. Parna and 
in Dravida, it's Tamara Purana. Uh, also, it's known as Lanka, but not like Sri Lanka. So um, there's an El Dorado is another one, meaning the golden one. That's another code word for Atlantis, El Dorado. Oh, really? Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. And another one is called Cipola. It's called Cipola, the golden city. It's, uh, it's from Dravida. So there's all these different so, types of names for Atlantis, not just Atlantis itself. It's, just co- it's coded and hidden. So, you know, uh, so as they escaped very quickly, I mean, these, this was an advanced culture with advanced technology. So, like, what happened to all that technology? Well, some of it got dispersed to, to other places, like building pyramids. And also, I mean, they were big on uh, and, and doing metallurgy. And uh, also, that look, at this is where civilization began, not like really in Africa. You know, although, you right. know, you might have had people going back and forth to Africa where maybe... Uh, you know, uh, humans maybe uh, came from or started from or going back and forth. But the actual civilization or civilization advance is, is in Southeast Asia, Indonesia. And the, and the reason is is that one of the things they're able to, the, the biggest invention probably all the time is, is agriculture. And the other one that goes along with that is, um, uh, is animal domestication. And so uh, this way they can fixate to the land rather than being hunter-gatherers all day long. So this way they can develop, uh, let's say, their religions, um, their uh, the sciences, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the culture, which, by the way, the culture uh, for the whole world actually uh, came out of uh, Atlantis, Indonesia. And so um, they're, they're very big on culture. In fact, I was at the uh, World Cultural Forum uh, giving a presentation there back in, I think it was uh, 2013. And so um, they have a big event that took place there, and it's really was. And it's actually in Bali. Bali is is part of Indonesia. It's uh, um, Bali actually is very interesting in that um, it's it's known as the navel of of the world. Uh, like your belly button is a navel, but it's, most importantly, um, it is where the uh, Mount Agun is located. And also, the next island over is Lombok, where Mount Rajani is located. And those actually are the original pillars of Hercules entering into the capital city of Atlantis, not the ones that are, um, you know, the, the pillars of Hercules between Morocco and, uh, and Spain and Gibraltar Strait, you know, not that one. Uh, so uh, some of these things get changed to the wrong places, and sometimes they... Uh, the, uh, the the pillars of Hercules get changed as the different straits and things open up, but that whole thing goes down the uh, goes down the Lombok Strait and uh, down the Wallace Line there, and uh, between the islands of Bali and islands of Lombok. Which, by the way, I was able to uh, fly over and see uh, Mount Rajani. It's going to have a huge a U-shaped uh, top to it, so it's kind of easy to spot. But uh, that's the, the original entrance into the capital, the city of Atlantis, which had concentric circles and canals to get the great ships in there because they were importing and exporting uh, their goods from there, and they had to have uh, deep water enough channels to get the large ships in and, and also the hydraulic engineering to uh, raise them up and lower them down and all the things they had to do. And so they were, they were the inventors of all this type of technology of hydraulics and things, too, and and terracing, by the way, they use terracing to control water and things on the rice fields. The same kind of terracing that's 
being done or used in uh, in Peru and Machu Picchu and different areas, Anchor Wat and Anchor Tom and all these different places around the world where you see this uh, uh, terracing, usually like rice fields or or maybe to control the water and uh, erosion and the uh, and the retaining walls and everything that goes along with that. That's uh, the Atlantean technology. It might right. be yeah. hard. Go ahead. To measure how how advanced Atlantis was in a sense, but we can see a lot of evidence and something as far as culture goes. For instance, Doctor Kim, things like pagan rituals that might come from Atlantis, like people that put in a Christmas tree every December in their house, they're actually praying for a ancient Atlantis ritual without knowing. You know, like among many different things in our culture today that that comes from these immemorial times um so we also have evidence you know like their languages how very uh complete you know all the languages in the world today they derive from this ancient seed uh so their poetry was more way more advanced you know they had really different meanings inscribed in their languages we have evidence for genetic engineering Agriculture, you know, things like fruits so that they might have actually, they might have actually been bioengineered back then because they they rise, they start rising from this period, fifteen thousand years ago or so, and they didn't exist before. Species like the horse, you know, we don't really have old fossils of the horse. If if we trace the evolution of the horse, you start with with very small animals. Uh, you know, there's a name for them uh, that really don't don't serve for the the human species as a horse. But and then after the Atlantis, you you see this huge. It appears a huge animal that is able to carry humans around, you know, and do all things. So there might be a lot of these evidence spread all over the place that we just don't see it because it's just so so much in our faces. You know, that might come from Atlantean technology. And by yeah, the way, that, the, uh, comes, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that. By the way, the horse is not indigenous to the uh, North America here or South America. It was actually out of Atlantis originally, out of that area. So I mean, a lot of people oh, think wow. we have all these horses from the Western days, but no, they're not indigenous originally from this uh, North America or South America. <laughs> they got imported. Okay, so um, that's one thing that's has happened too. Um, yeah. What I, about I genetic make, engineering of humans? Uh, <laughs> yeah, there may have been some things going on with that to some degree, um, and also they they, uh, they made it with the indigenous populations of some of these places, like uh, that were uh, still uh, able to have a temperate climate um, after the destruction of Atlantis. So, but yeah, there's some of these type of things that may have been going on as well. So uh, that's that that may have changed our species a well, little bit. Well, the ancient texts. They also speak something like the giants or the the dwarfs, you know, that could be actually other species of of human beings, like the Neanderthal species. We had a lot of different verges that, you know, got mixed up. Some some of them actually died out in the Ice Age, the ending of the Ice Age. But as we're trying to see now, scientists actually last year or so, some research is coming out that the Neanderthals, they might have not been so stupid as we think them to be, you know. Some 
some things like that too. Ah, well, yeah. Was, <laughs> if you said giant when I was thinking giant in my mind here, uh, you know, the people are, you know, saw some fossils and of, of big giants, and uh, they look real. You know, they they really look real. Uh, and how does that play into to that? Like, were the Atlanteans so advanced? that they, they, you know, tweaked, you know, human genetics. So the current humans that, you know, you and I are are really a genetic uh, subset of, of one of those exactly. experiments. Yeah, yeah we Maybe think the that giants might be the another experiment. possibility. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, a, a couple other things, too, um, about this technology and this, this alchemy and everything. Um, you know, a lot of people think that gunpowder was invented by the Chinese, but actually right. it was an invention of the Atlanteans that the Chinese picked up on from their alchemy. So, uh, and the other day you had a gentleman on the other day about uh, this alchemy and about making gold. Well, that's, that technology of, of, that the alchemists could do was that technology came from Atlantis. That they were the ones doing that. So that's how all, that got imparted as well. So, uh, again, you had that gentleman on a couple of weeks back, and that's he mentioned this kind of thing to you. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, and being able to turn, you know, other types of metals into gold, and uh, gold's very interesting. Um, you know, he was talking about monatomics and, and gold and how the monatomic gold is one of the substances that can actually uh, stay intact through multiple dimensions, which would make it perfect for space travel. And that's another question is that some people believe that Atlanteans actually aren't from Earth, that originally they came from some other planet. Any, I know that's hard to, like, definitively, you know, research, but Ooh. just curious if you have any information on that. The alien well, subject, that's a very uh, fragile topic. What do you think, Frank? Well, <laughs> it's kind of speculative, but I had my, this conversation right. with your grandfather and uh, Professor Santos, um, and he, he had speculation that they may have come from a Mars-type planet a long time back. Um, that might have been the, uh, the, the older uh, civilization, Lemuria, Atlantis, <clears throat> the Lemurians. And so um, it's, it's really hard. I mean, it wasn't his focus, but he, he, he speculated that maybe that's, it, may, it may have come from another planet potentially originally. So um, it's just, you know, something we may have to delve into deeper, but it's hard to get the information on that until we get more information on, from prove, Mars, I guess, it? or some other planet, you know, so, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. We can say something, though. Yeah. I, I was going to mention, too, um, about this location of Atlantis, too, uh, about where it is. Um, the word Atlantis is a highly encoded word he was able to decode, and it's actually encoded into three different languages, uh, ancient Greek, uh, Sanskrit and Dravida, those three different languages, and um, it, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of to that and the decoding, but uh, it comes from uh, 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 Atala, and which means uh, uh, which means uh, uh, Tala means uh, uh, not to. Um, not, not, it means not to bear, be able to bear the weight is what it comes down to, um, and and it's, uh, it's, it means also the sunken land too. So um, I, I want to go through this maybe some other time, but uh, basically what it's encoded in, in such a way is that Atlantis is located 
in a sunken island mountain marshland on the opposite side of the world, uh, opposite side of the world from from Europe, and uh, and so what it means it also uh, it has encoded in the word is antipodal. Antipodal means means on the opposite side from the in the antipods, and so that's why he's able to figure out it's also on the opposite side of the world versus you know like in Spain or you know like uh, in the Canary Islands or uh, in Cyprus or you know the Bahamas or something like that because Atlantis was known to be uh, like in the East Indies, um, not in the West Indies like is like in the, is the the Bahamas or those that kind of area in the Caribbean. Uh, but in the East Indies, which is over in, you know, where India is and, and Indonesia, because um, the word Indonesia means uh, islands of India or islands close to India. And that's what Indonesia means. And so um, he was able to find out uh, through decoding uh, uh, this word that it's actually located in, on the opposite side of the world in the sunken mountain marshland um, of Indonesia. And so... That's one of the things he was able to actually decode on the whole thing. Yeah, um, that is. Yeah, that's totally interesting about that. And there's a very a interesting, Doctor Karen. Go ahead, Sorry, just thank you. Just to mention this a little bit of the the alien, the ancient alien premise. A lot of people have it today, like that aliens were around back then, and they're that's the that would be the explanation for how everything got made, like the pyramids, you know, like many uh, sightings of airplanes and spaceships of such. Yes, that's right. This is very scientific Right. And what the answer could be, and this is a very scientific, it's called Bayesian thinking, which is where where you ponder uh, different probabilities of, like, having an alien come over here in the same period or having humanity actually being way more evolved back then. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to have in the Atlantis doing all the credited as the ancient aliens that people talk today than actual aliens coming over. Not that I, I'm dis, disreputing. Maybe they would have contact spiritually with other races and alien civilizations perhaps. Who knows? But it's just that it's way easier to have a more advanced society here 15,000 years ago or more in this period than actual, actual aliens coming over to it. And that, that's by a lot, you know, so just to keep in the scientific manner. I wonder if manner. they looked, maybe, maybe they, uh, the Atlanteans looked very different from current humans. Like you see pictures of, you know, tall heads or big heads, right. or, you know. Like Indiana Jones, well, he, you know he what under, I'm talking about. He understood that uh, <laughs> Professor Santos understood that their brains were about 30% larger than ours. So, um, you know, they had a little bit more capacity as far as brain power goes, being 30% right, larger. So, so when the, you know they they you know escaped, they, they mated with the, the the locals, if you will, the indigenous people, um, and if they, for example, you know made the various different pyramids all over the world, um, we can't to our current technology replicate the Giza pyramids to that precision. So what happened to all these people? They honestly had obviously had children, right? So what happened to all that technology? What happened to all that knowledge? You know, why didn't they make any more pyramids like now? You know what I mean? Well, that might be a little hard to say, but the the whole 
I mean, the, the population really dispersed over the entire world. And so what you have left now is all the different ancient, you know, I guess grandsons or great-grandsons and everybody else, you know, from that, from those periods. It goes back thousands of years, so that uh, all kind of dispersed over time. But, uh, you know, uh, sometimes they lost some of the technology. It got destroyed because of different wars and battles and things. Uh, as I mentioned, they we also lost three-quarters of a million scrolls of valuable information when the they, the Alexandria Library in, in Egypt got destroyed. So a lot of things happened with different types of book burnings and and all information getting lost, you know, over time. And so, uh, but also, uh, again, we're going through thousands of years, and so some of the technology doesn't always get passed along exactly, you know, over over time, you know. And so you, what the Hindus said is that we fell into an age of ignorance. This is very obvious in the scriptures. They talk about four... You, we were talking about cycles in the beginning of the show. They would talk about these eras, these big four eras that humanity goes over and over, which is the gold age, followed by a silver age, followed by a bronze age, and followed by an iron age, uh, until we go back to the gold age again in this repeated cycle that the ancients would tell us, tell us about. And this is what's happening to us now. In these last thousand years or so, we, humanity fell into an, an iron age of ignorance, a, war, a time of war and battles, you know, where we fight against ourselves and we fall into ignorance. That's what happens. Uh, but the seeds are all over the place. That, that's what Professor Santos would attest and would say over and over that we just have to bring it over together and, and try finding the the bigger meaning. And a fun fact, too, you mentioned about the Giza pyramids. Under Professor Santos' work as a physicist, he actually, you see the, the pyramids, they have a an inside chamber, the, the main gallery. It points to the sky, right? Yes. And what happened is Professor Santos was actually able to retrace and see a very huge thing into the ancient Egyptologists. Now, it's more into Egypt. The, the, the main myths they had was about the polar star. See, the polar star is the star closer to the – the closest star we can have closer to the Earth's uh, – like X, like the, the poles, right? It's like a, a pond rotating. And it has this main up the North Pole. The, the closest star we have to this rotation is called the pole star. And that changes because Earth changes as it uh, preempts it in, into free space. Right? So what Professor Santos did, he actually traced back the alignment of the game gallery to the last time it was aligned with the polar star, which is the story of Vega, the Vega, Vega star, which also means deluge in many languages. And it actually shows that uh, 12,000 years ago, in a precise date, the 25th of December of this exact many years ago, 11,700 years ago, I believe. And it's perfectly aligned with all the calculations and all the corrections that uh, people didn't have in, in between the times to, to propose such alignments because a lot of people actually proposed the alignment of the galleries with the polar star but looking only back 4,000 years ago but if you actually make this alignment with the main gallery with the Vega star 
12,000 years ago, you see it brings up an exact date, the 25th of December of some year. That Right. I heard about that. Through, the, the Ice uh, Age. Yeah, one of the teachers. Uh, that was fascinating to me. And so basically, you know, Atlantis would have been destroyed first and these people dispersed and then they made all these pyramids, theoretically, you know, all, all over the all over the world, including the Giza pyramids. And uh, so that, you know, the timing of the deluge and the pyramids making, you know, it's, it sounds like it's pretty close together. Yeah, I want to mention something else about these pyramids too. Um, actually, I went to Indonesia a couple of times to uh, do a presentation uh, between uh, Indonesian people, uh, scientists and engineers and so on. Um, I mentioned about maybe taking a look around at different you know, uh, ancient sites and temples and, and all these different types of things. And, and they did. They actually, uh, there was one called uh, Ganun Padang, uh, which is up in, uh, in, uh, in an area called Chianjur, uh in West Java, Indonesia, up in the mountains. Uh, there's a, a mountain-type pyramid that they actually were able to drill core samples into and discovered it was actually artificial because it went, it went back, and when they did the core samples at, uh, at uh, when it started around 10,000 BP before present, and then when they did some more deeper into it, it went up to 12,000, then 15,000, then 20,000, and about 21,000, then up to about 23,000 years old. Uh, and so they had these analyzed at a place called um, Beta Analytics uh, in Miami, Florida, which is one of the best carbon dating laboratories in the world, and also in, in Bataan, one in Jakarta, Indonesia, and uh, they got the so they confirmed the dates that were you know going back this far. Uh, Ganun Padang is definitely an artificial uh, uh, pyramid uh, mountain that actually has more mass than actually the Great Pyramid at the Giza Plateau, the Khufu Pyramid, uh, and it also has chambers inside of it because I was actually up up with the chief geologist uh, in the, when we went up to the site a couple of times, and um, he told me that uh, they have some caverns in there that they're checking out, that and two of them are actually connected and they're like 10 meters by 10 meters by maybe like six meters high, and two of them are connected, so they're they're pretty good size. But the thing he mentioned to me is that they're also airtight. So if, if they have any information in there, like let's say the Hall of Records, it's probably well-preserved versus let's say the Dead Sea Scrolls where moisture got into that area and, and made it very difficult and fragmented a lot of the, uh, the, the scrolls. Uh, and so, um, you know, so that, that may be the most ancient pyramid uh, on Earth because sometimes they even dated it maybe possibly up to 28,000 uh, years BP as well. So that's called Ganun Padang. Uh, and it's uh, it's also becoming a world heritage site, and so it used to be just a few thousand people went up there every year. Now it's in the tens, if not hundreds of thousands, of people going up to check it out. And it, we have the pictures on our website, and the photos, all the photos are not quite arranged exactly the way we want everything up on the website. But they show the scattered stones up there. They actually have kind of a musical quality to them, a ringing type quality if you hit them, and uh, they're scattered thousands and oh, thousands wow. of them all throughout. There. Right. Okay, so this is website. what you're when, when you say artificial, you mean that it looks like a mountain, but it's actually a pyramid that was made. Yeah, it was like a man-made really, type really of old. structure. Really, really old. Really, really old. So that caverns yeah. inside it. There's two that are connected for sure, and there's one that's off to the side because they did some 
ground penetrating ra radar and things like that into the site, but I haven't actually got physically into it other than the core samples. So it's something still being investigated. But uh, that's going to be a really uh, some type of an amazing discovery, especially if they find any information that could be, you know, medical information or technological information or whatever right. might possibly be there. Because and, and was that old enough uh, hmm? before Atlantis got destroyed? I'm just trying to remember all the dates here. Yeah, because um, the Toba volcano was at 75,000, and the ending date for Atlantis proper, the advanced civilizations, was 11,600. So it would have been okay. before they actually got destroyed. And so they may have put okay. it up high like that in a, in a particular spot. So if anything, any problems came along, because they have a lot of volcanic activity in that area anyhow, it's the most volcanically active area, area in the world, that they think the, the records or information or maybe uh, would be the, preserved, preserved over a long period of time. So Okay, like sort of like uh, a safe, safe keep, like a, but what we would call a bunker. A time, a time, like a time capsule, you know, or something like that. Or yeah, bump, time yeah. capsule, yeah. But yeah, yeah that, so that was because it was volcanic, they didn't know, if, yeah, they, they would have to keep some of that information safe. So we haven't gotten into that pyramid per se, just the core samples, so we don't know whether there's other information that's written inside there. No, it hasn't been a full excavation of it, and that's something that we want to do. And I've been up a couple of times myself. And I'll start to get more pictures up on our website because uh, I was actually up there with the chief geologist and Hi. also the a lot of the Sunda people are taking care of it. Uh, and that's Ganum Padong. By the way, Ganum Padong uh, means this because we had it. I had it uh, coded uh, uh, or translated. It means the enlightened, the enlightened kingdom, mountain uh, place of our great uh, ancestors. So the enlightened wow. kingdom, mountain place. Of ancestors Ganun Padong. Wow, that's amazing. Now, just you yeah. know, we're getting to a close here, uh, but I w really want to ask you about you know, knowing, you know, this history, what happened, you know, they had nuclear weapons back then, they put it into this, you know, uh Krakatoa volcano. It it was like a humongous uh event, maybe not what they were expecting. You know, destroyed seventy percent of Atlantis. Like, are there things for us to learn now, since we're back in the Iron Age, going towards the Golden Age? Do we really have to destroy ourselves again? Well, we are uh, we are headed back to the Golden Age at some point. This in the, all the Hindu texts. It's called the Setya Yuga. The Setya Yuga is the Golden Age, and maybe this might help you too uh, in answer to your question. Like, what's the importance of Atlantis to mankind? And that is, Atlantis is the source of most all religion, most all science, and most all races and civilizations. It is the cradle or birthplace of world civilization, where civilization began. Its discovery now, at the very dawn of millennium, has been predicted from deepest antiquity and is indeed the true message of the Gospels and other such holy books. The discovery of Atlantis brings back the hope of the rebirth of the Golden Age, Asetya Yuga, which with its promise of universal peace, harmony, love, and happiness for all mankind. It will also cause a major revolution in our view of the world, of both our past and our future, for it is a remembrance of our ancient ancestors from our ancient motherland and, by the way, fatherland, which is India, uh, in honoring them. And this is to happen now as we enter the third age, the third millennium, the age of Aquarius. Yeah, we're the dawn of the millennium, where we hopefully wow. get into the golden age, the age of Aquarius, that's all 
supposedly true as predicted by the ancients and now the very turning of the millennium 2000s early we had a glimpse according to the the text that we would have a, a taste of what mod modernity would be like and uh, real advancement but then again we have so many problems of iron age that the ancients would say first to get into the real golden age so perhaps there's a a, a lot of tremble to go on, so buckle up, I'd say. Many of us that don't necessarily want go to go back down to the Silver, Bronze, and Iron Age again uh, and wonder whether this, you know, maybe it's just a hologram of our experiences as humans, but maybe we can keep, if you will, the Golden Age going where we don't destroy each other, where we are, you know, universally in peace and harmony for all Hopefully. beings on the planet. That's one of the lessons we can definitely learn. Um, also, I want to mention something else, too, um, and that has to do with these um, uh, types of uh, baptisms, you know, that you, uh, the different religions have. Um, they actually derive uh, out of Atlantis as the original source of it, and what, what it is is that when the Krakatoa volcano went off, is that uh, all the, the, the tsunami and everything, the water came up, and also the fly ash, too, and so people are not only they're burnt, but also drowned. And so um, when you have one of the baptisms, that actually originates out of Atlantis, Indonesia, um, the Atlantean times, because it's, it's the water going up over people's head. And that's why you have these baptisms of, of, the, water, of the water. And so I know other religions and stuff have adopted it, but that originally comes back from that. Um, and also, um, you know, there's like the, um, the, the, the rising of the, the phoenix. Well, uh, you know, rising from the ashes. Well, those ashes, or the rising of the phoenix, has to go back to the the, uh, the, the uh, Krakatoa volcano, where all the fly ash uh, rising from the fly ash of the of the Krakatoa volcano. And so that's what this is all about. Is uh, is where they get this idea of the rising of the phoenix, uh, and also the uh, the whole thing about the uh, the baptisms and stuff. So that it all comes out of the Atlantis area. And so you have all these things like All Souls Day, which is usually around November 1st that some religions get involved in. But it all has to do when we lost a, a, a total of over 20 million people in a day and a night, which is like the largest amount of total of population ever lost on Earth in the shortest amount of period of time uh, based on the entire population of Earth at that time, the percentage-wise. Wow. That's what All Souls Day actually comes from, the Atlantean um, history? Yeah, yeah, because that's that the Day of the Dead. Yeah, the Day of the Dead, dead just like in the books in, in the Egyptian book of, of the Dead, but it has to do with the Day of the Dead. And so when we lost all these, the population, it's a remembrance and honoring them and, and remembering them. Then so, like um, Professor Sansos was like, um, it was like uh, their uh, their person um, uh, as a you know uh, in, uh, as an agent to them and. Uh, as far as uh, you know, uh, bringing out all this information, and so that kind of falls on myself and also Bernardo to uh, to bring out this information after 11,600 years. It's been it's, it's the time is. Uh -huh. So, we so we're we're like the representatives, I should say. Uh, Professor Sansel is like the representative, and now that falls on myself and also on uh, on Felipe. Yeah, hopefully generations to come too. Yeah, 
Uh, I know you're about to close, and and I wanted to bring in one other thing, too, that you'll find real interesting. Um, The the latitude uh, of zero degrees, because it's uh, on the equator uh, and the temperate climate, goes right through Sumatra or Indonesia right now, the island of Sumatra. It's at zero degrees uh, latitude. What's, uh, what's more interesting is the meridian or the longitude, which now uh, goes through uh, Greenwich, England, not London, because it's, it's where the Greenwich Observatory is. Uh, and, it, and the reason is it goes through there, and then that's where we start Greenwich mean time or universal coordinated time. It starts in Greenwich, England, because, number one, they also used to have the most, more of the most powerful navies in the, in the entire world. And so, but also by convention, uh, that's where they wanted to, the, the day to start was actually in, in Greenwich, England. Uh, but it, it, what the interesting part is, is that it didn't used to be there all the time. A lot of people think it was. It used to actually be at one time at Paris, France. And before that, uh, they, the day was, uh, the, the meridian was, or the, or the longitude was in the Canary Islands because they thought that was Atlantis. And before that, maybe someplace else. But originally, originally, it was actually right over Indonesia. So the latitude and the longitude was at zero degrees of latitude, zero degrees of longitude. So it's at zero, oh. zero, more or less, X marks the spot. And that also is symbolic in the Atlantean cross and, um, and, uh, and also uh, in the Atlantean cross in its concentric circles also denotes um, the, the capital city of Atlantis and all the canals and everything going in. So it's also highly encoded uh, as well. And it, it's, um, it's, um, it, it's sacred geometry involved in that. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it was actually there. Now, what's interesting, even more so, and we have this on our website, it was also known as the land of the rising sun. But Japan, on their flag, has this, the sun on a white uh, background showing, like, Japan is the land of the rising sun. It was actually originally not Japan, but it was Atlantis. It was the land of the rising sun. And it, was, it rose up out of the ocean in the morning. And then, and that's part we can see on our website. And also, it was the land of the setting sun because it's set behind the mountains of the, of the, like, the, the Krakatoa volcano or the holy mountain of paradise. So there's the original land of the rising sun and the original land of the setting sun. But the, the main thing is, is that it was at zero degrees latitude and zero degrees longitude. And even now, today, the international dateline is just basically uh, of, uh, west, uh, excuse me, east of, uh, east of Indonesia now. And so uh, it's all over that area, but they got changed over time. Oh, wow, that's super interesting. And, uh, well, I, I was going to uh, have you guys uh, say you know, one more thing before we close, but I did come up with another question, uh, is that, um, you know, they used to have, uh, and it may not be, you know, in your area of expertise, but uh, my understanding is that, um, you know, we have, uh, you know, 12 months and, you know, whatever, seven chakras and that kind of thing, uh, supposedly. But uh, some schools of thought is like, well, actually, if you look at the moon phase of women, there really should be 13 months, you know, um, and uh, that that the, even the day-night so-called 24-hour cycle is probably not actually real, and, and so they keep, you know, doing the daylight savings time, and then the standard time, and daylight savings time, and there's a lot of people saying that we really should not be changing this, it's not 
necessarily good for people health-wise. But just curious if you had any insight on this 13th versus 12 months and 24 hours versus something else. Let me just, I, I might be able to answer that one. It's just that one of the uh, Professor Santos' research was about the, how advanced was Egyptian astronomy and horoscope. You know, horoscope actually means to to look at the time. It's more of a, a dating science than actually predicting science. And so what, what the Egyptians would say, they wouldn't count the 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 extra year, right? The four and four year, the extra hours, but they would actually put it in all, all linearly in a sense. So so a, one of the the reasons pyramids back was because he he would know when would be a, a bisect year, and he would be able to know uh, the exact periods that could fit back then because it would be the only specific years that would go on the this county. So yeah, the the Egyptians, the ancients they used a different uh, uh calendar, so to say. A little different from Mars. Oh, I see. So you're saying before the current calendar the Egyptians may have used a, a thirteen month calendar or something like that for their dating? Right, yeah, yeah. All over the cycles. I wouldn't be able to precise exactly the months or so. Maybe less, maybe more but but for sure it was different than what we used today. Yeah, also, well, sometimes uh, uh, different religions go off of the moon versus the sun, too, in the past, so, and even now. So that's... Uh, right. That well, there's some thought that, that uh, if, if we went back to a 13-month, and I'm not holding my breath, but <laughs> if we went back to a 13-month cycle, uh, you know, which is like uh, similar to the, the women's menstrual, natural menstrual cycle, that it would be more harmonious energetically, yeah. and that maybe it was brought to 12 months versus 13 months to actually uh, take away power from the matriarch or the woman. So I don't know if there's any, you know, Atlantean connection there with... Or yeah, they, we have, we've been having these adjustments all over uh, the late story of mankind. Some of them from ignorance, perhaps some of them were made to, you know, obscure some things. Uh, it's really hard to know, but we can really go back and trace it. Which, by the way, uh, just and to close off here, Dr. Karen, again, thank you very much for the community, for the opportunity. Uh, and just to mention something, because people, for us to understand here, we just inherited over 30,000 pages of research, Dr. Karen. It's like five Lord just so many wow. articles, well-written articles by Professor Santos that we have been finding now, having access to his computer and sorting. We're actually curating all of them. And, and we actually might ask for help. It's a, it's a cry for help for helping us on the website. If you go online, you see uh, we're hoping to put everything through there and publish many books still. And so there's a research um campaign we're building to actually organize these researches and probably in expeditions to to Indonesia to these sites that we have access in contact with Indonesian government and such as you know but the thing is uh, also on our site you see we're launching uh, Professor Santos first book his most famous book was the second one the lost continent finally found but, but the first book which he actually released in Portuguese and we're hoping to translate it's called the alchemical principle of um, the treaty of the philosopher's stone 
very nice Ooh. book where he talks about alchemy in a very uh, original sense uh, from you know the Nishit languages and how, what they were trying to say. So Professor Santos tries to decode it a little bit. And just my final take here is that a lot of this book shows, and while though Professor Santos was very agnostic, me as a this new generation reading on and seeing these ancient knowledges and, and alchemy especially now, it always talks about uh, this spiritual world in a way, um, as above, so below, you know, where we would have some existence beyond here too. So that's just uh, and a more enlightened mention that we should be looking to ourselves. You, you, you asked about the golden age and the ancients would have, that's one major thing they had for their languages back in the ancient. Anything they would write would have to fit three categories, a nerd category, a nerdly, more mundane, a, a, a heavens category, and a spiritual category. So anything they would write would have to speak into these three different levels, you know, so just showing a little bit also how advanced their language was. So this is it. Let's look into ourselves. The golden age might be inside ourselves. What we can do to better the world, you know, be the difference we, we want to make. And this is our us trying to put everything together for the world. That's perfect. That really resonates with me. That's, you know, everything that I've been, um, you know, been told, understand, uh, you know, resonate with is uh, really that coming from within is so important. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. Th thank you for ending with that. That's beautiful. Uh, Frank, do you have any last words before we say goodbye? Okay, yeah. Um, I hope we have a minute or so here. Uh, I want to mention, too, um, the reason uh, also with Atlantis, why people are looking in the wrong place is because the, the names of the oceans got changed over time. And so uh, there used to be different names, especially uh, the the one called the uh, Indian Ocean. It used to know, be known as the Erythian uh, Sea. Uh, and so, uh, but before that, it was the oceans of the Atlanteans. And so the, the whole world was actually the ocean of the Atlanteans, uh, not the, what they call Atlantic Ocean today. Um, but the the name got changed uh, over time. And, and the scientific uh, word for the whole thing it's actually coterminous. In other words, you could actually sail from one o one part of the world through the oceans to another part, and you could get through one way or the other. And like I say, it's co it's coterminous. And so it might have been better if uh, if they would have named instead of the Atlantic Ocean like it is today, maybe the English Ocean or put some other name to it, but left the one in the Indian Ocean instead of going to the Erythrian Sea. Uh, maybe uh, maybe they uh, should have left that as the the Atlantis uh, Ocean, or, or even Atlantic, I don't know, but something like that. So at least it would have been made, made uh, logical sense. But things got changed over time, and they get changed over, uh, let's say, a thousand years. But over, let's say, eleven thousand six hundred years, you know, a lot of things get changed, and and the, and the names and everything. But um, what happened is, is that originally for the Pacific Ocean, as it's called today, um, that particular ocean was more or less discovered by Vasco Balboa, but the name actually got named Pacific from Ferdinand Magellan. When Ferdinand Magellan saw it through the Straits of Magellan, he saw it as a very passive and calm ocean from the infinitive word in Portuguese or Spanish called Pacificar. And so what happened is it's either, depending on how you use it in a sentence, either it's called Pacifico or Pacifica. 
but they dropped the A and O, and so the, the name stuck is specific. So this is all, as all the confusion of Waxel where Atlantis is, because a, a lot of these names of the oceans got changed around the world. So I hope that makes more sense to your listeners why we see that Atlantis is actually in Southeast Asia in the area of, of Indonesia and Southeast Asia. So uh, does that make a little bit more sense to you too? Yeah, absolutely. That's so so very interesting. And um, so I want to make sure everyone has the link to your website. So www.atlan.org. So atlan.org. And so you're looking for help with you know, research, people that are into that, you're going to be doing some expeditions, which is very, very exciting. I'm sure some people are really into that, so uh, may want to volunteer for that. And, uh, yeah, we, I, we wish you, you know, all the best. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing uh, for all of us, really. I know it's a lot of work, um, and uh, it's, it's, I think it's so interesting and uh, so telling for us to really know the truth of our past. I think it's so important uh, to know that so we know where we're going. We can't really know where we're going and how best to navigate that without really knowing the truth about our past. So I want to thank you both and thank our listeners for Absolutely. tuning in today. Yeah, thank, thank you, very, you very, much. very much. And again, our book is uh, Atlantis, The Lost Continent Finally Found with the subtitle The Definitive Localization of Plato's Lost Civilization. You can find it on Amazon and, and through Penguin um, uh, Books. Um, and uh, uh, that's Pen Pen Penguin Random House and North Atlantic books as well. So it's available pretty much uh, anywhere you can request it. Yeah, our website Perfect. is back online too. <clears throat> Every help is wanted and needed. You know, we can work as a community with bright minds looking at a gold future. And, yes, we're actually establishing a, a foundation too, a research foundation, Lemuria and Sunderland Research Foundation. So that's about to come and a lot of good news to come too. So hopefully we can also keep in touch and, there's many, plenty of more to discuss, too, so thank you again. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Well, maybe next time we get together, we can talk a little bit more about Lemuria and, and different, you know, uh, the even more ancient Absolutely. land and whatever you uncover. That would be fantastic. So thank you again, both of you, and thanks, everyone, for listening in. Until next time, bye-bye. Lots of love. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.